Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some Hello, awesome. friends, and welcome back to the show. Hope you've had a Merry Christmas and you have enjoyed this entire holiday season. It is a couple days after Christmas now, but I still wanted to share some Advent joy with you, which I'll get to in just a second, because I wanted to have a little time with my family, so I'm not recording anything this week, so I'm sharing a sermon I did back in Advent, which I think will be just as timely right now as it was three weeks ago. But let me give you a heads up, we've got some exciting names coming on the podcast just around the corner. We're going to do a wrap-up end-of-year podcast with Storman, and then we've got some names of people that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while, and then we've got some old friends who are coming back on because that just sounds fun to me. But we've been doing the podcast now since 2014. That is a long time, and it would not have happened without all of y'all's support. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing on social media. Thank you for leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. You know that stuff makes a difference. And uh, for that and a thousand other things, I just want to say much love and appreciation for y'all. Appreciate the support and wouldn't be able to continue to get the exciting guests that I have on the podcast if it wasn't for y'all. So much thanks to you and good stuff to look forward to for 2021. But before we do that, we want you to be aware of the joy that is available to you right here and right now. And so that's why I'm about to play this sermon for you. So I will talk to y'all in 2021, Lord willing. All the best. See you. Uh, We're in this uh, season leading up until Christmas morning that Christians throughout the years have known as Advent. And as we're anticipating Christmas morning, we're asking ourselves, what have, what are the effects of what we have gone through in 2020 done to our soul? Has it attempted to snuff out hope or love? And today we're asking the question about joy. Now, as a church, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, one of the things that we are doing as we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus is in, in the spirit of giving, tonight we're giving our community a great opportunity to have a curbside Santa experience. Now, Santa's probably not the original Christmas story in the Bible, but the spirit of giving is definitely there, and so we're very excited about the way that we can serve our community this evening. So we encourage each and every one of you to be there. Uh, on, on Christmas Eve... We're celebrating the incarnation with a unique sort of outdoor Christmas Eve service. We hope each and every one of you can make that. Put that on your calendar. The event starts at 6 o'clock. We'll have more details later in the service about it. But one thing I want each and every one of you to do is consider arriving early. It starts at 6, but we're going to try to get everyone situated, whether they're outdoors, in chairs, or in their cars, in the parking lot. So parking is going to be a little bit of an issue, and seating is going to be a little bit problematic. So please get here early. We know you get early for football games. I'm not saying you're bad people for doing that and being late to church, but I'm saying on Christmas Eve, you are a bad person if you're late. That's all I'm saying. Just kidding, kind of. So that's Christmas Eve. Make sure you're here for our 6 o'clock Christmas Eve service. Now, you might have remembered at the beginning of 2020, there were a ton of articles that were published everywhere from the, Garden, the Guardian to Oprah's magazine in which they were giving advice on how to have a joyful 2020. 
And they had no idea. One of the pieces of advice that constantly came up as people were suggesting, this is what you should do to have a joyful 2020, is talk to other people in person. They didn't know. They didn't know what was happening. And what was found is that 2020 was the opposite of that for many people. Uh, There were studies done by the University of Chicago that found that Americans are less happy now than they've ever been in the last 50 years. More unhappy this year than any previous year. Uh, Last year, the same people who were asked, how happy are you, reported at a 31% rate that they were happy. 31% last year. This year, the number is 14%. 14%. People said they were very happy this year. Uh, last year, when they were asked how isolated you felt, you had roughly 23% said they felt isolated in 2019. In 2020, the number was 50%. 50%. And in some ways, it seems like the candle of a joy has been snuffed out. Uh, One of my dear friends, Josh Ross in in Memphis, had a psychologist come and talk with his staff a few months into COVID. And one of the things that this psychologist told my friend uh, Josh and his co-workers is a lot of people are talking about this as a crisis, that COVID was a crisis. But she said it's, it's the wrong word because a crisis lasts six weeks. Anything over six weeks is no longer a crisis, but it's chronic stress. Does that feel about right? This is just con- constant. It's this chronic stress. And that was even before the election cycle really began. And she said that in chronic stress, people function at roughly two-thirds of their brain capacity. Go on social media. That's definitely a high number. <laughs> chronic stress has an effect on us. And so when you get to this time in the season, it, it, it feels like the candle of joy has been snuffed out. Some of you saw a picture of the tree in Rockefeller Center, right? You see that? If not, here's actually the unveiling of this Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. It's, it's a massive tree. It's 75 feet tall, 45 feet wide. It weighs 11 tons. And you're just going, ah, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the right tree for 2020. It just... Yeah, right? Isn't that like the perfect tree for 2020? That's just kind of how, how we feel. And it's almost as if 2020 has done its very best to snuff out our spirit. And that's just normal 2020. When you get to the Christmas season itself, there's a lot of pressure that gets put on us. And every year, every year there's this pressure to be something, to celebrate a certain way, to, to put on a certain face when it comes to Christmas. We're supposed to be cheerful givers. Even though sometimes it feels like we're being forced into something that we're not like fully on board with. The University of Chicago did another study by, uh, led by an economist named John List. And he did the study where he, he had people broach the subject of charitable giving. Specifically giving to a children's hospital. A cause that just about everyone can get behind. And the way they did this study is they had someone go door to door asking people to make a charitable donation to a children's hospital. The first group was given a phone call and said, hey, we want to warn you that someone's going to come by your door and ask you to give money to a children's hospital. 
The next third were given a call and said, hey, if you want to opt out of having someone to come to your door and ask to give to charitable donation, you can do that. And the third group was given no warning, no heads up, no phone call. And what List found out and his researchers from the University of Chicago is that charitable donations for this hospital dropped at 75% when people knew about it. And his theory was that people were giving not out of this altruism, this desire to help, but because they felt pressured. This is what I have to do. And everyone has limited resources. You only can give to what you can give to. That's just human nature. So there's nothing wrong with not being able to give to everything, no matter how good the cause is. There's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong is that we we feel this, this pressure that you have to be something. And on top of what 2020 is already, when it gets to this time in the season, that, that pressure can be overwhelming. And it can feel like the joy in us has been snuffed out. And I think to just this reality, the good news of Advent gives us a different picture of what joy can be. Or maybe of what joy actually is. So our text for today is from Luke chapter 2. If, if you are physically able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, half of this text is written in yellow. I'm going to read the words in yellow. I'm going to invite you to read the words as a congregation in white. Whether you are uh, in the room this morning or you're watching online, go ahead and read the words in, right, in white. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men. And learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them. Go search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising. Until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. It says they were overwhelmed with joy. Now, the other character in the story, besides these astrologers from the east, is Herod. And Herod's anything but a good guy, but yet they are still filled with joy, which is always how the story was supposed to go. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 35 has this picture of the one who will be the redeemer of Israel. And Isaiah 35 says, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and signs shall flee away. So this picture of redemption, which Jesus fulfills in even bigger ways, was always anticipated to have joy in it. Always anticipated. Now, at at the end of Luke's gospel, we hear this account from Luke chapter 24. And this is after the resurrected Jesus has appeared. While he, Jesus, was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And so as the story of Jesus anticipated, they knew joy was going to be there. And then once they experienced it, joy was there. 
So it's no surprise in Matthew 2, the text we just read, which put it back on the screen, please. It says they were overwhelmed with joy. This is, this is how it's supposed to be. But they weren't overwhelmed. That's an interesting word to me. Because in the context of Herod being there, and the astrologers knowing what Herod is about, despite the context that they are in, they, they're overwhelmed with it. And, and you and I get the word overwhelmed. Right? You ever see the person who's like trying to play it cool? Like, oh, that's no big deal. It's no big deal. And then all of a sudden, like, this smile starts to appear in their face because they just can't keep it to themselves. They're overwhelmed. A couple months ago, my, my wife's grandfather told me about when he first heard my name. He said, yeah, when my granddaughter, he calls her Diddy, when, when Diddy was first uh, telling me about you, she just had this big smile on her face, and I knew you were the one. Now, 17 years later, and two decades of loading the dishwasher incorrectly, the smile doesn't look the same. <laughs> but you've seen that look. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if, if you've seen your friend fall in love, like they, they try to play it cool, but then there's something that's just there. You, you, you can't keep to yourself. Scripture, they, they were overwhelmed with joy. And that's the thing about joy is that joy overwhelms because it's from another world. Because you can have context like you're in, like the astrologers, like the magi are in, and it shouldn't put a smile on your face. You have Herod who's about to kill a bunch of babies. You have adversity. You have the threat of your own life. But there's still joy that's overwhelming. Because joy is always from another world. And they feel this and it it overwhelms them. C.S. Lewis talks about joy and he says, the very presence of joy presupposes that you're pursuing something else. You you can't pursue joy, but there's something else that happens that creates it in you. Even if the context in front of you, even if the world around you doesn't seem to be joyful. And maybe if there's anything we need in 2020 is a reminder that there's something that can differentiate us, that can separate us from the context that we are in that can overwhelm us. Because most of us are overwhelmed by our context. We're overwhelmed by chronic stress. We're overwhelmed by isolation. We're overwhelmed by loss and adversity and suffering. But what joy gives us is something that overwhelms even the context in which we stand. It's different. Now, in, in the first story of joy that we get from the birth of Jesus, there, there is that Herod character. And Herod, like we talked about, he's the kind of leader that, if he was around today, there would be a unified voice from around the world saying that we need to interject ourselves in this country and Free these people from this kind of leader. This is the kind of leader who does the unimaginable. He kills his own sons. He kills his wife. He kills his mother-in-law. He does also the imaginable, which is killing his brother-in-law. He does all these terrible things. And that's the context of these people having joy. And, and it's almost 
essential to talk about joy and suffering. It's almost essential to talk about joy and adversity together. Because it's only in suffering can we differentiate between happiness and joy. When things are all good, it's easy to blend happiness and joy together. Because from a distance, they, they look similar. In the same way, if someone was going to describe to you football and football. They said, you, you got these two games on a large grassy field where you have 11 people trying to move this leather ball up and down the field until they get a goal. And from a distance, it looks like the same game. In the same way that joy and happiness from a distance look to be the same game. But it's only in suffering do you see the differences. Lewis talks about how it's essential to to make joy and happiness distinct. Because the only thing they have in common is that if you experience either one of them, you want more. But up close, you realize that they're far from the same game. Because happiness is the game of controlling your world. And joy is the game of being connected to another world. Happiness is the game about trying to get your world to look the way you want it. To trying to get rid of all the chronic stress. Trying to get rid of all the drama. Trying to get rid of all the pressure. Trying to get rid of all the negative circumstances. And when you get all those organized the way you want, then you have happiness. But joy is a different game. It's about being connected to another world. So no matter what is happening in your world, what overwhelms you is not your circumstances, but your connection to a different world. See, happiness is the game of trying to have a never-ending summer. Happiness is the pursuit of this never-ending summer. And joy is the game of unearthing all that's in every season of your life. And if there's anything we need to talk about in 2020, it's joy. If there's anything that Advent needs to relight in us, it's joy. Now, two weeks ago we talked about some people that we love dearly. Uh, Moses and worship leaders who don't wear shoes. We talked about that two weeks ago. And we talked about the story of how Moses, in a moment of crisis, found himself next to this burning bush. The burning bush spoke to him and said, take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals because where you're standing, it is holy. And there's this quote by Elizabeth Barrett Browning who says, That earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush aflame with God. But it is only he who sees that takes off his shoes. Everyone else just sits back and plucks berries. That Moses wasn't the only one who was told that where you're standing is holy. So you need to remove whatever separates you from the holiness that exists on the earth on which you stand. Moses wasn't the only one given that command. Every one of us is given the warning that, hey, the world is full of heaven. And some of you are going to be oblivious to this. And so you're just going to sit back and pluck berries. 
You're going to spend your time scrolling social media. You're going to get upset or overly involved in this cause or that. You're going to find yourself tied to this world and your finances and how people think about you. But if you see the transcendence that has been crammed into the world around you, you're going to take your shoes off and be aware of it. And this has been the story all all along. The temple, the tabernacle, was never about God having this special little retreat from the world. It's always been about God's plan to set up and set up shop in the entirety of the world. This was the beginning of God's work in the world, and this is where this thing ends, where heaven and earth come together. I'll talk about that more in a series in January when we're going to start talking about the idea of heaven and eternal living. But the plan all along was for God to be here. And for those of us who are living in awareness, what happens is we take our shoes off and we are connected to the heaven that's in this moment right here and right now. And the byproduct of that is joy. Joy is the byproduct of being aware of the other world that has been infused into earth. But some of us will just miss it. We'll miss what's right in front of us. It's kind of like this friend of mine. Years ago, uh, this guy came up and and we had this uh, ongoing discussion about his marital situation. He, He believed that the only way forward for him to find happiness was to leave his wife and his family for this new woman. I, along with his young daughter and young son and his wife, believed that his best path forward was to make things work in his marriage. He didn't, and so he eventually left his family. A couple years after that, realized that that toothpaste wasn't going back in the tube, and I wanted to still be a friend and support him. And I said, well, how's things going? How's the new relationship? How's the new marriage? He said, oh, things are great. Things are are so good. We're, We're very happy. I'm working so hard in this relationship. I mean, I've never worked so hard on a relationship before. And so we're just happy. On the one hand, I'm I'm glad he's happy. But on the other hand, as I heard him describe that, I couldn't but help to hear an indictment on what he had done years before. Because the very work he needed to do to make himself happy in this relationship was the very work he needed to do in the first relationship to make it work. At least that's what it seemed to me. Life's complicated, I get that. But what isn't complicated is that each and every one of us have been birthed into a world that is crammed with heaven. That God is in the very moment you are in right now. No matter how much chronic stress, no no matter how much isolation, no no matter how many circumstances haven't gone your way. And the work that you and I must do is to remove our metaphorical shoes so that we can understand the transcendence upon which we stand and the God who is in this moment. And there are some moments where it's easier to take your shoes off and to experience the joy. There are moments that it's just easier. There are moments when, when you know you have wronged someone. And you know you are the one who has violated the trust and you have broken the relationship. But the, poor, the person pours out to you Grace lavishes you with this unmerited act of love 
And you know something divine was in that moment. Maybe it was when you had your first kid, when you see your first child born, or you first adopt your child, and you see transcendence in the moment. And to take your shoes off, it's as easy as sliding off a pair of sandals, and you realize that something otherworldly is in this moment, and you are full of joy. There are easy moments like that. But there are other moments when it seems like you're trying to take off a pair of boots that are two sizes too small. And it takes everything in you to remove your shoes. Moments of chronic stress. Moments of loss. Moments of pain. But it's in those moments that we see the difference between happiness, which is based upon us always standing in a world that goes exactly the way we want, and joy, which comes from us understanding that the world is crammed with heaven. Even when it doesn't look like the way you want. Even when it doesn't go the way you want. And the thing about joy, again, joy isn't something you can just pursue. Joy is it's from a different world. There's a professor from up in uh, Baylor, at Baylor Seminary, Truett Seminary. She talks about how there are these gateways. The, these gateways to joy. Joy is based upon something else that you, you can't pursue, but there are gateways that open us up to joy. Um, let me tell you about one for me. Uh, last year for Advent, I decided I was going to do this daily, nightly gratitude practice where I was going to write down five simple things on a simple little notepad that I kept by my uh, bedside table. And it wasn't anything special, it wasn't anything fancy, it was just a simple notebook, and I was going to write down five things in which I saw how heaven was crammed into these moments of my life. So I started this off as doing this like 26-day practice for Advent. And I haven't stopped. Because it's done something to me. Now, I'm going to make no mistake about it. 2020 has been an awful year. Every one of us knows that. It's been a rough year. For me, when uh, I was first like reading and trying to understand about what was happening with COVID... I was reading information and created this picture that, that I processed. This is my picture of what I thought was going to happen, is that there were going to be two million people in the United States who were going to die from this. So my, my wife works at the hospital. So I'm terrified about what's going to happen. Oh, goodness, there's this disease and two million people are going to die from it. There's this pandemic that's going to uh, take two million American lives. And my wife is up at the hospital, which is like the epicenter of where this can happen, of course. And I'm freaking out about that. I, I'm, I'm saddened by what my, my daughters are having to miss. It's a picture of uh, one of my daughters in uh, this, uh, uh, this dress that she got for this um, ballet recital. Which she never even got to do. And just like the picture of her in this. And one day she wears it and she kind of dances around. And I have... Like the smile on my face, but tears in my eyes about this thing that you missed. And it's not a a big deal compared to lives being lost, but it was a little thing that I hated my kids to go through. And many of you experience the same thing about your friends and your family members. 2020 was a tough year. Top of that, two months in, my mom passes away unexpectedly. 2020 was... Not a good year. And 
I do this yearly gathering in the fall with this group of uh, young, we used to be young preachers, now we're just preachers, I think. <laughs> Shut up, Brent. <laughs> and uh, so we were in Arkansas, which was great, because we obviously knew we were the smartest ones in whatever room we entered. And uh, I only said that because he just made fun of me. And so we go around the room. It's basically like group therapy. And they said, Luke, how was your year? And I had this weird response where I said, it was a year of gratitude for me. And like the math didn't add up as I was saying it. I lost my mom. I went through the adversity that everyone in this room has gone through. And the word I could think to describe the year is like, I was just really grateful for a lot. And I'm, I'm trying to do the math, going like, why did I say that? Why, why was not just what I said, but how I felt? And the only thing I could come up with is that I, I had started this practice of every day I'm going to write down, these are five things, how I see how my earth and the, the ground on which I stand is infused with heaven. And it changed me. There's been research done that talks about how the undisciplined soul is like Teflon to good experiences and Velcro to bad experiences. If something good happens to you, you just, oh, that was nice, and you just kind of move on. It bounces off you like your Teflon. But if something bad that's happened to you, you're like Velcro, and you just stick to it, and, and, and it holds on to you, and you hold on to it. It's the same thing I was told 20 years ago when I was a waiter at Chili's. They say, for every 10 good experiences that someone has at a restaurant they'll remember the one bad experience. And if they have a good experience, they might tell one other person. But if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you're going to tell 10 people about the bad experience. We're like Teflon with good experiences and Velcro with bad experiences. The undisciplined soul is like that. But when you create practices, these gateways that open you up to having an awareness of what's going on around you, you start to realize that the world in which you reside is infused with another world. And joy has the ability to overwhelm you. Not because of your circumstances that they demand you to be happy, but they overwhelm you because you're full of joy, which has never been about the context and the circumstances you're in. That's something different. There's a text from Scripture that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who use a lectionary for their uh, spiritual disciplines and their sermons, like our high church friends across the street, uh, there's a text that they read fairly often every three years around Christmas, and it's a weird text. It's a text in which Jesus says to be on your guard because God will come like a thief in the night. And so they read this around Christmas time, which is a weird thing to be reading about a thief in the night. Obviously, those who watch Home Alone are aware of wet bandits, and so there are some criminals and thieves around the holidays. I get that. Don't, oh, Home Alone. Yeah, no. And it's not because God is like a thief. Scripture tells us that there is one who came to rob, steal, and destroy, and that's not God. But the thing about a thief, as Jesus uses this metaphor, is that you don't know when a thief is going to be there. Because if you did, you'd be ready. But God shows up 
like a thief in the night. Because you're not expecting God to be there in that moment. Maybe some of us need to remember that God shows up in the unexpected moments when you're not ready for it. Because that's who God is. In the moment that God interjects God's self and lights up a bush and says, take off your feet because where you're standing is holy ground, is the moment you least expect it. It's moments that are marked by chronic stress, by loss, by shame, by the worst regrets you have of your life. And God is this thief that shows up because you don't expect it. And God isn't there to to take away your good stuff, but God is a thief who's removing the idea that you've ever been alone. That you've ever been by yourself. God is the thief who comes in and takes away, hey, that's shame, that's not yours, I'm taking that. God shows up and says, hey, that that isolation and abandonment which you feel, I'm, I'm taking that away from you. God shows up and says, hey, I I know you have regret. I I know you wish you could go back, but I'm going to take that from you. And God's going to show up and say, guess what? The ground where you stand, it's already holy. And if you can remove your shoes and be connected to the transcendence that is in this moment, you will experience the joy that I've intended for you to have. So maybe what we need to do to have joy relit in us. It's to be connected to this other world that's all around us. And if you have eyes to see, you'll be aware of it. Otherwise, you'll just be keep plucking berry after berry. So may we have eyes to see the reason for joy within us.